Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, welcome to My First Time, a mostly sexy sex podcast from Broadly. My name is Zing Sing. It's such a performance for me, sex work, and I'm brilliant at faking orgasms, kind of giving myself this reputation of someone who comes at the drop of a hat. Today on My First Time, how sexy is sex work? Hey, my name's Lucy Foster and this is the story of the first time I sold sex. Lucy is a sex worker, as in it's her job to have sex with other people. It pays well, it's flexible, and she's basically kind of happy with her life. For most of us, sex is meant to be pleasurable. But is it possible to enjoy sex in the same way if it's with someone who's paying you? And even then, if you do enjoy yourself, how does that actually make you feel? I'm 41. Um, I live in London. I'm a cis woman. I single and live in a flat share, still renting. Um, in some ways, my life is still not much more together than it was when I was 25. In fact, in most ways, it's not. So things things are good in my life right now. They're not kind of how I would have imagined them at 41. Given that we're talking about sex work, that is what I'm doing again now. Lucy's going to talk about her first time in just a second. But before she does that, she'd like to clear up some misconceptions people have about the type of people who go into sex work and the sort of person who pays for it. There is an element to it that's about company and companionship, but it's definitely mainly about sex. And I'd really bulk at that defence of the sex industry that relies on claiming that it's not really about sex, that it's just companionship, because... If it is just about sex, that's fine, you know. I don't feel like, personally, that sex is an interaction that's... a human interaction that's kind of separate from every other type of human interaction. Unless you want it to be, this stuff is really subjective and sex can be this really spiritual thing or it can be this really intense bonding moment and something really special or it can be very mechanical, you know. it's All of those things can be true at the same time and it's for people to decide that themselves. And I've got to know some really interesting people through it and genuinely like some of my clients while at the same time being aware of the power dynamic that allows this industry to exist. 
At Broadly, we've covered everything from sex workers fighting for better pay and their issues with the police. We've even asked them for sex advice. But we know there's plenty more stories to uncover. Oh, I feel really sad that things have progressed so slowly. I mean, in terms of media and in terms of, you know, a particular type of political discourse around sex work, that there's these two very distinct types created. One of them is this, you know, abused victim who can't speak for themselves, who needs help. And the other one is this super empowered, you know, happy hooker. Um, He's making loads of money and loves having sex and loves having their job. And, and, you know, the reality is that very few people fit into either of those. I mean, I certainly don't. My story is a mix of both of those things, really. Well, maybe less of the happy hooker, but certainly like, you know, from things going really well to things being really quite awful. And that seems like quite a normal experience and all just for people's experience to be very, you know, grey and in between those two things and really pretty mundane, you know, the work can be very boring and mundane. So I feel like it's really sad that we've got such a lack of nuance in the way sex workers are discussed. I think the level of stigma is horrific and tears people's lives apart. I came across a friend, um, it's a friend of a friend recently, who had like never told her best friend until recently that when she had her first baby she did sex work for a little bit just for a few weeks because she was so skint and she'd been so ashamed of that she'd not mentioned it for like 10 years and stigma feeds into the ridiculous legislation we've got at the moment selling sex is legal in itself but brothels are illegal which is defined just as two people working together in a flat which is what I do at the moment I share with two people Um, so that's technically a brothel we could be done for brothel keeping, end up with a criminal record, which would make it pretty much impossible to do so many types of work. Um, women who work outdoors um, run the risk of prostitutes' cautions, asbos, um, which are handed out like smarties. You know, people, women end up with strings of convictions and are then completely trapped in the industry. So, yeah, I think the stigma around it is is a huge, a huge problem, like from, you know, from the small-ish stuff of just having to lead a double life and lie to everyone to the much bigger stuff of being frightened that clients perceive your life to be worth less because of the job you're doing. As you can tell, Lucy knows a lot about the issues around sex work. And by the way, Lucy's not her real name for many of the reasons she's just outlined. And while she didn't quite understand stuff in the same way when she first got into sex work, she's got a pretty good idea of where she stands right now. I started doing sex work as a teenager and did it for about six years and then stopped for 12 years, didn't think I'd ever go back. Um, And I've got another freelance job that I do now, which is what I tell my family and tell myself I'm really doing, but actually um, pretty much all my income and 80% of my time are taken up doing sex work. Yeah, I grew up in like a small country town, um, was quite, so I was quite off the rails from the age of maybe 13 or something. So, um, I mean, I still haven't unpicked everything that was going on at that age. Um, I'm still trying to work on it with my therapist. Um, but yeah, I was like super into the free party scene, super into drugs, took drugs through at school even sometimes. And so by 17, I was just, I kind of, I don't think I had much self-awareness of like the mental state I was in. I mean, 
mental health wasn't a term that even existed back then. It wasn't really a term that I heard till I was 30. And I think um, my life would have turned out very differently if that had been something that was talked about as much as it is now and if there'd been some sort of services in place. But there weren't, and that was who I was. So I kind of define myself as this party girl. That's how I saw it, even though it was well beyond um, just kind of weekend partying. Um, so I moved to Amsterdam when I was 17 um, with a couple of friends of mine, one of whom was 16. Um, so looking back on it, you know, I look back on those years now and I'm like, my God, if I met a group of teenagers like that, I'd call social services. And like going back to Amsterdam a few years later, like we used to hang out with these older slightly older people there and they were like yeah we thought you were a bunch of runaways they were like you were so young and so kind of off the rails and but on some level it was really fun you know like the whole world was just this kind of party and we could get wasted all the time and being young girls like people would pay for us we just I mean I didn't buy my own drugs till I was about 25 and it suddenly dawned on me that like you could just go out and hang out and talk to your friends and not have to talk to dickheads all night if you just bought your own drugs but that was kind of my life back then um and I'd got a job as an au pair that's what I went over to do um so I was like living with this family who didn't really know much about what was going on. I mean, I used to like sneak in at eight o'clock in the morning. It was a three-story house and they slept in the basement and I was on the top so I could like sneak in and I'd like sit on my bed like <laughs> kind of spinning out for five minutes and then I'd go downstairs and pretend I'd just got up and make the kids breakfast and take them to school. And I... a few months after that, so I'd just turned 18 by this point, um, but I was standing waiting for a tram one day and I saw this car drive past, like a smart car, and there was a man and a woman sitting in the back and I saw them looking at me. And I kind of think I guessed instantly what was going to happen. But anyway, the man got out of the car and he came over and um, and he was like, oh, we were just looking at you and we were just thinking, you look so cool, you could fit into any city, anywhere. And, and I, remember, I can remember what I was wearing, even I was wearing this stripy T-shirt and these baggy trousers and these Adidas trainers. And I had this long brown hair parted in the middle and I didn't look really cool. But um, what I did look was really young. I looked really young for my age um, and probably looked a bit lost or like I was on my own anyway. And so he came over and he gave me this kind of um, spiel. He was he asked what I was doing. I told him I told him how much money I was making, which was 100 guilders a week I guess which is about 40 quid um and he was like oh that's not much money to live on and he peeled off this hundred guilds a night and gave it to me and and he was like if you want to make more money here's my card. I wonder how many stories there are like this where one thing leads to another I'm sure it's a lot more common than most people think. I don't know if he was expecting me to call but I did I called that day I think went to a phone box because there was no mobile phones in those days and put some money in and called um why I called and why I'd already decided to do this work, I don't know. And like, I don't think it's probably anything very nice. I'm pretty sure it's not like I wasn't wasn't really in a great place, but I wanted to make some money and it kind of felt like I couldn't think of any reason not to do it. So, um, so I called him and he arranged for me to meet up with a woman um, who was working for the agency. And I met her in a hotel and I can remember this really, really clearly as well. So she, I thought she was like the most glamorous person I'd ever seen. She was very kind of high femme, like amazing nails and really beautiful. And, and she said to me, she was a Dutch woman, she said to me, oh, I was working as an escort and then I fell in love with my pimp. That was the exact word she used. So she'd fallen in love with whoever was running the agency and was now kind of working 
doing yeah whatever recruiting women into the industry and so she talked to me about what I should do on a booking and she said um get into the room and then you can say to the client oh I'll go into the bathroom and change into something beautiful and then you put on some beautiful lingerie and um and then suggest you have a bath together and I was kind of thinking "Mm, okay I'll do my best so um I went out and shoplifted like one set of like nice lingerie and then turned off at this hotel and like I mean I carried on working after this time for a while I used to like I used to wear this big duffel coat that was my only coat and I just wasn't prepared to spend any money on any of it like it wasn't a job that I gave a toss about it was just this thing I was doing for money so I used to turn up stinking of weed and this like long flary skirt and this duffel coat and but my nice shoplifted set of underwear. In many ways, Lucy's experience of sex work sounds a lot like any other young person's first job. You turn up stoned, you shoplift, you don't really care about where your career's going, minus the sex bit, of course. It was an English guy, a young English guy, and he was in kind of a really cheap hotel behind Central Station. Um, And I was going to be making 100 guilders an hour, like 40 quid, which seemed like a huge amount of money then. Um... So I got into this room and it all felt a bit awkward. And then I remembered what she'd said. So I was like, should we have a bath? <laughs> so, we like, so we went into this bathroom and it wasn't some like beautiful, you know, marble bathroom. We've got to have. It was like a kind of travel lodge style bathroom, this tiny little narrow bath. We ran a shallow little bath and then we both climbed in with our like knees up to our chests and we sat there and I remember thinking I could see he was kind of amused like I was obviously this really unprofessional hooker um and I didn't really know what to do so we sat there for a minute and I remember thinking god the last time I had a bath with someone would have been like with one of my school friends because you know you do that until you're like 12 or something you'll like have baths with friends hadn't been in the bath with anyone and it didn't feel sexy it just felt a bit ridiculous um So then I was like, should we get out then? So we get out the bath. And I'll be honest, I can't actually remember having sex, but we did and I left. And then you had a driver, that was how it worked. So you'd have a driver who would um, wait outside the hotels and you would just go from one hotel to the next to the next. Um, So he took me to another hotel and then another and then another and we stayed out until daylight and I don't think I'd sort of realised that I was allowed to just say when I wanted to stop but I remember it got to daylight and I was kind of like please can I go home and just felt pretty broken by that point in honesty and um and he was like yeah you can go home whenever you want that's fine so he drove me home and I had what seemed like a fortune um you know I think the thing people talk about a lot in terms of doing sex work is a feeling of crossing this boundary kind of this transgressive thing that once you've done it, you can't go back. And I don't know if I would have felt like that after just doing it one time. I mean, there's definitely after a certain point, you've done it enough that it's going to kind of mark you in society's eyes for life. And I think even though sex work very much isn't, it's not an identity, it's not a sexuality, it's a job. And yet it is treated by society in a way that is very different than a job. It isn't something you can do and then put behind you. It's something that once you've done, that's what you are, that's what you become. Um, I mean, back in those days, there was no 
sex work activism scene that I knew of, or there was one, but there was no internet. You know, I had a pager. I didn't even have a phone in the house. So when I got pages for calls, I'd like run down onto the street and put money in the phone box and call for my, you know, that's how long ago it was. So I didn't have any, there was, yeah, there was no support, no one to speak to about it. And it became this like huge secret. And it wasn't until really quite recently, a few years ago that I started talking to people. I mean, I'm still not out to my family. And I, back then, I certainly never told partners about it. And none of my friends were really doing it. So it was just this kind of weird thing that I carried around and was aware that even if it was something that, you know, as it became something that I'd done in my past, um, even then, like people knowing I'd done it, especially because I'd done it for a, a, quite a while, that it would be this thing that had kind of marked me and soiled me so, yeah, looking back on it, I feel like it's a real shame that that was what a lot of my early sexual experiences. I had loads of sexual firsts with clients. I had my first orgasm with another person, with a client. And, yeah, I feel like it, that's a bit sad. I mean, I don't think I'm scarred for life. I think there were many other things that were happening that were worse at the time. But although it's a kind of, I feel like the bath and the awkwardness is funny on one level and another level, it's not what I would... I wished if I could have designed the perfect life. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wind forward to now, and Lucy knows exactly what she's doing at her job. But back in the day, she didn't really have a clue. I mean, I like literally physically didn't know how to give a blowjob, didn't like, I just hadn't had sex with people. So I guess the sort of actual logistics of sex were pretty new to me. And, and then also I didn't care. I mean, it's, I think the advent of online reviews and having sort of being visible online has meant it's much harder to be like that, although I know plenty of sex workers, in fact, most of us who don't really give a fuck about it. But to a certain extent, you have to if you're going to maintain work, you know, if you're going to keep getting work. So, yeah, I just didn't know what I was doing. I was just and I was super nervous. I wasn't confident about my body. I remember one particular like guy and I'd like hadn't realised I didn't I didn't know about sponges. So I had my period or it was just ending. So I got blood all over the sheets and then. I was just being really awkward and he was sort of like, have you been doing this for long or something? And I knew he meant having sex, but I pretended to think he meant escorting. So I was like, oh, no, not very long. You know, I just you're one of my first clients. And he's like, I don't mean that. And I'm just thinking, oh, God, I'm like rubbish. Lucy's been a sex worker for several years now, 
and she's in control of what her body does, minus the occasional orgasm. It turns out she doesn't actually enjoy those that much. The thing with sex work is that orgasms are like you find sometimes come along not because someone's nice or even because you fancy them. And it's and personally, I know different sex workers feel differently about this, but I really hate it when that happens. I feel like it's such a performance for me, sex work, and I'm brilliant at faking orgasms these days. You know, I can make my legs shake. I can like do, and like especially if you want them to want it to be over and done with quickly. I've kind of given myself this reputation of someone who comes at the drop of a hat, and I don't. But <laughs> it's just it's an effective way of making them stop for a bit. <laughs> but um, yeah. So the guy that I came with like, was in New Orleans, and he was he was alright, but it was more just a technical thing. Like if someone sort of hit the right spot. And that still happens sometimes, even with clients that I find gross. And actually, it feels like a bit of a, um, I always feel a bit annoyed with my body. Like, that's something that I wasn't offering them a real experience of me having an orgasm. But hey, how it happens sometimes. So when we talk about gross, how gross exactly is Lucy talking about? You get the odd client who's just not really grasped the basics of personal hygiene. I mean, I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I can only offer covered services so even blowjobs are covered with a condom and um so I don't really I mean my hands or sometimes on my face or body I come but I don't have to have it in my mouth so um no disrespect to sex workers who do that but that obviously means I'm a bit sheltered from some of the bad hygiene but I'm still aware of it. When Lucy first got into this she didn't really understand much about sex let alone sex work. A few decades on she's wised up a lot but just because you have sex for a living doesn't mean your sex life is perfect. Weirdly, like the confidence that I felt when I was doing sex work didn't always translate or didn't ever really translate into how I felt having sex recreationally or having sex with someone I was in love with. So I was fairly unconfident, really. It was like they were two such separate things that they didn't really cross over. Um, one of the reasons that I was always really scared to tell people that I'd done sex work was that I would think they would be expecting this like incredible performance that would blow their mind. And I was like so nervous that people would have sex with me and then be like, well, someone paid for that. <laughs> and I don't really feel like that anymore. Like I do feel like, oh good, yeah, I know what I'm doing now. And so I'd say that doing sex work now is making me more confident with sexual partners off the clock, as it were. But back then, no, it didn't. And and certainly the first partner that I got together with in Amsterdam, that was a big thing because he did know I'd been working and 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 I'm sure that I can't remember his any of the exact conversations, but I feel pretty sure that that did come up of him sort of being like, yeah, but you're really shit. I mean, he was a horrible, horrible person, but um, he used the fact that I'd done sex work, which at the time I met him had only been for quite a brief time, but he used that against me. Now Lucy's several years on from that first time. And she feels pretty differently about her job. She's happy, she's confident, she's good at it. But she's still not ready to shout about it. At least not to people she knows. It affected my life a lot. I don't... I think I was quite used to lying to my family, but lying to friends and to partners was different. Yeah, it makes you feel like you've got this kind of shameful secret that you can't share with people. And, and I still feel like that. You know, there's still... And especially that I'm doing quite a lot of sex work now and it's going really well. You know, I feel really proud of how well I'm doing. I'm, I'm saving up money and um, I actually get quite a lot of job satisfaction out of it now. It feels like a really different thing, having the support of a sex work community around me and being older and able to harm myself and not being a shit escort anymore. I'm an excellent escort these days. Um, but not being able to tell my family, you know, and I'm quite 
proud of it. And I find that really frustrating. And then also being aware of like this huge hindrance to relationships. Like I think cis men, heterosexual cis men in particular, are like have tend to have a real problem with sex work, particularly if you're doing full service sex work. I think stripping or even pro-doming that you can kind of talk more about the element. I mean, all of it is performance, but I think with those jobs, that the performance bit is much more obvious. The sort of sex work where you're actually being penetrated, once you're penetrated with a penis, that is seen as this thing that's very sort of sullying and that almost takes something away from you. I mean, that's where all that language about selling yourself comes from, that, you know, you're selling, and this has been said many times, but you're selling a service, you're not selling yourself, but somehow the act of penetration is seen as taking something away from you or is seen as... um, being some sort of ownership over you and once someone's penetrated you they own you in some way I mean otherwise what is that language about so yeah I hate it and I think that the secrecy and the reactions of men in my life to the work were definitely the hardest bit about it for me and and still is and I hope that that's gradually changing because you know there's there is a lot that's wrong with the sex industry but there's a lot that's wrong with most forms of work under capitalism and I think society would do itself a huge service if we could turn this sort of scrutiny that we apply to sex work to work in general and look at how many other sort of jobs people are going into mentally unequipped and struggling with. Thanks for listening to My First Time, a podcast by Broadly. I'm Zing Sing, the UK editor. This episode was produced by Sam Bonham. If you've got ideas for future episodes, first time sex stuff, get in touch at broadly.editor@vice.com. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.